Please rise in body or spirit for our call to worship. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in God will be condemned. be seated. Grace and peace to you this Lord's Day from the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. I'm Baron Mullis. I'm the pastor of this congregation along with the Reverend Megan Lecluse and all of our musicians. I am delighted to welcome everyone to our service of worship, both those of you here in the sanctuary and also those worshiping in other locations. 
we are glad and grateful to be together. And because the word of welcome we extend is on behalf of Jesus Christ, it is a word of welcome that comes with absolutely no qualifying adjectives whatsoever. All are welcome in Christ's house, and so we are glad and grateful indeed to be together. Uh, before we move into the body of the service, I do have several announcements for your attention this morning. The first is to let you know that due to the variable weather, we will not have an official coffee hour on the 21st Street sidewalk today. Uh, of course, there's nothing stopping you from gathering there if the weather is nice, but we won't be serving coffee and water just because the weather is so unpredictable. Uh, secondly, you should have received a communion kit as you came in. If you didn't receive a communion kit and you would like to receive communion, just give our ushers a sign right now. They'll bring you a communion kit. I've just been informed of a pro tip in the use of those communion kits, which is do the bread first, because otherwise, when you turn it over, the juice is going to come out into your hand, whatever is left in the cup. Um, <clears throat> I will just remind everybody the session is adopted language that we strongly encourage our worshipers to follow all guidelines. However, the city has a citywide mask mandate at the moment. So bear that in mind in the wearing of masks. We do appreciate that. Uh, your worship leaders will be taking them off, but we do know the vaccination status of everyone in the chancel, but we will only be taking them off as we are speaking. And that is for the benefit of folks with hearing impairments. Uh, I would like to note as well that the church has set up a way, excuse me, uh, for you to donate directly to Presbyterian disaster assistance through the church. In light of the humanitarian disasters unfolding in front of our very eyes, many of you may wish to make that gift. You may do so either using PayPal, we just note it's for the disaster fund, or you may also do Banco, and that I believe actually has a, a, a portal set up for it. And if you wish to donate by, by cash or check, just note on the envelope that it is for Presbyterian disaster assistance so that we can make sure that your gifts go where they are supposed to. We regularly support Presbyterian Disaster Assistance, which of course is our denominational outreach uh, through our church operating budget at a level of $1,500. We are adding an additional thousand to that this year in light of what is unfolding before us. And of course you are invited as well to participate in that. Uh, finally, as a family of faith, we share joys and we share sorrows. And I have joy to share with you today on the birth of Allison Doris Horowitz, daughter of Mike and Rebecca Horowitz. Allison was born last week, and we surround her family and big sister Molly with our prayers during this joyful arrival. With these things noted, let us continue our worship with the confession of sin. Because God is near to the brokenhearted, let us consider how we have lived confessing our sins, and trusting in God's mercy to save. Holy One, remind us of our baptism as we prepare to come to your table. Remind us that you have chosen us from the foundation of the world to be a blessing. Forgive our failures to live into the fullness of our human capacity. Renew within us the resolve to live as your people. Strengthen us when our energy flags. Encourage us when the troubles seem too large. Give us hope when the suffering of others makes us want to look away. And in forgiving us, grant that we might see our opportunities to be givers of your grace to others. These and all our prayers 
we offer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ himself is the word that offers eternal life to all who receive him. This proves his love for us. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Our first reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John in the sixth chapter, starting with the 59th verse. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, This teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe, and who was the one that would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom can we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Here ends our first reading. Our second lesson is taken from the book of Joshua. We read their selected verses from the 24th chapter. Continue to listen for the word of God to us this day. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all of the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your ancestors, Terah and his sons Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and served other gods. Now, therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Now, if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors living in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household... We will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. 
and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us all along the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will serve the Lord, for he is our God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. It has been a tough year for choices, hasn't it? Just at the church level, I can think of a half a dozen. Do we close the church? As your still relatively new pastor 18 months ago, I thought to myself, I'm asking the session to close the church for two weeks, and my new congregation are going to think that I have lost my mind. Oh, the choices. What do we do about Easter? What do we do about Christmas? What do we do about Easter again? When will it be safe for our members to return to the building? And what about masks? Do we ask? Do we demand? Now, I'm sure this is not remotely true, so remind me in a few years that I said this once upon a time, but I will never complain again about a pedestrian decision. I genuinely, deeply crave the day when we can have a good, old-fashioned hammer-and-tongs argument about nothing more important than the color of the carpet. But of course, we have also faced difficult personal choices this year. Is it time yet for my children to return to in-person activities? Should I put off college for a year? Is it time to retire? Is it time to move to progressive care? Dare I visit my elderly parents, or dare I trust that if I wait, I will get to see them again? Choices, choices, choices. Everywhere return and they seem to be matters of consequence so much these days. 
In our story from Joshua, he is offering the Israelites the opportunity to respond to God's call to them, specifically by being people whose lives are so marked out by being God's people that they are a living witness. Or they can choose not to, with the strong implication of consequences to follow. Indeed, it is often positioned that way in the church. Choose, choose salvation. Perhaps in your life you have encountered a a famous painting by Holman Hunt, The Light of the World. It's emblematic of a certain way of viewing faith and salvation. And in that painting, Jesus stands at the door of a house, a cottage really, and knocks. And the detail of the painting that much is made over is that the door has no handle and therefore can only be opened from within. The implication, of course, is that Jesus will only come to us if we will allow ourselves to be opened to him. It's a sentimental rendering, and frankly, it's even consistent with how Joshua's scripture is often interpreted. But that's not really what the Bible teaches, is it? That way of thinking suggests that the choice offered is between life and damnation, prosperity and destruction, and that would be a cruel choice and, frankly, inconsistent with the God of the Bible whom we have come to know. Uh, The God of the Bible is not so fickle. The God of the Bible pursues God's people. The God of the Bible chooses to come to us because the distance from us to God is too great for us to bridge on our own. God made us, God knows us, God knows our capabilities, and the good news of the gospel is that God has already acted on behalf of our salvation. God has chosen people from the foundation of the world to be a blessing to that very world that God has made and loves. By the time Joshua offers the choice to the Israelites, God has already chosen them. By the time Jesus offers the choice to his disciples, he has already chosen them. God chooses humanity. That's the gospel in a nutshell right there. God chooses to love us. It's easy to say that Jesus offers us a stark choice, just as Joshua offers the Israelites what appears to be a a stark choice. And through the years, I have even seen it that way. But this week, I found myself hearing that passage of Scripture just a little differently. Do you wish to turn away? No, this year, after all of the choices we have faced, all that we will yet face, all that we need to do to be church in a complex, challenging, strange season, this year, I heard that question full of empathy. Do you wish to turn away? God knows we could use a break from the constant onslaught of bad news. God knows we might need from time to time to turn away. 
Jesus knows what it is to be bone-weary. Jesus knows what it is for the anxiety to mount, to become very nearly unbearable. He knows what it is to have to reach deep within to find the will and the wherewithal to do what must be done. Jesus knows what it is to be overwhelmed. Perhaps you too wish to turn away. It's so easy to hear that as an ultimatum, but I think perhaps that is a facile reading. And indeed, this time, the disciples get it right, offer the chance to turn aside. They lean in. And there are occasions when we must lean in as well. In the past week, we have seen humanitarian disasters, both natural and human-made. Moreover, with the world on fire with COVID, there is no shortage of need. It is a time when it is easy, perhaps too easy, for us to retreat into our homes, to turn away from what causes us fear and anxiety. It is indeed easy even to turn off the television when the images that flood our brains become too great to bear. It is easy and it is tempting, but we should not look away. After a year of feeling isolated from one another, of feeling stuck at times, of feeling unable to do much of anything to make the world better, to give of our lives, to offer our treasure and our prayers for the good of others, is to seek with all the Lord has given us to meet this moment. After a year and a half of becoming numbed to the numbers of deaths we have seen, numbed to the suffering of those left behind, numbed even to our own well-being at times, we are given a choice. I heard a news report this week that quoted an emergency physician saying that she can barely muster empathy for a young man, unvaccinated, dying from COVID. I read an op-ed in the New York Times entitled, The Rage of the Responsible. But here's the crux of the matter. God does not care how right we are. God does not care how right we are. God cares how much we love. We can choose to care. There's a wonderful scene in the Netflix series, The Crown, where the queen, played by the amazing Olivia Coleman, visits a family following the coal slag heap collapse in Aberfan in 1966, which destroyed a primary school filled with children at the time. As she leaves the family's home, she dabs at her eyes, but later she confesses she dabbed at a bone-dry eye and hoped that the press who were following her didn't notice the deception. And she wondered if there was something wrong with her, that she couldn't feel what the others felt upon meeting the victims' families. 
And then the Duke of Edinburgh tells her that it was the sound of the family's singing, Jesus, lover of my soul, to thy bosom let me fly, at the funeral for the children who had died at, at the school that broke him open. The queen asks if a recording of their singing could be found. And as the episode ends, she places the record on the record player and begins to listen. And as the sound of suffering seeps through the music, a tear forces its way down her cheek. Now, in fairness to the real queen, the, pro the program got the history quite a bit wrong. But what it got right is that we can cultivate empathy. And when we are numbed to what is going on around us because it has become simply too much to bear, or when we are overwhelmed by the pain, as in fact the queen was in real life, we can choose to lean in. It may be the only choice we have. We can choose to lean in, even to the places where pain is found, and for the sake of our spiritual well-being, we must. And as we lean into the places where pain is found, we will be leaning into Jesus, because Jesus is always found in the places where pain is found. So the choice is put to us as well. Choose this day whom you will serve. If we are to lean into the fact of human suffering, particularly in a week like this, where it seems to be in such cruel supply, then we must ask ourselves, what the Lord requires of us. If we are fortunate to have money to give, we should give it. And I am aware that some of us give from our abundance and some of us give from our scarcity. And so I remind us that offering is more than money. We may offer as well our prayers. We can offer our love. We can indeed offer our tears. But not to meet this moment would be to bury the proverbial talents that our God has given us. So the choice isn't whether or not to give or pray or bear witness. It is whether or not to be engaged in the world that God has made and loved in the way that God calls us to be when God instituted us as a blessing for the world. It is to see whether the abundance that God has given us is to be hoarded, or whether instead it is to be stewarded so that we live that blessing in real and tangible ways. Oh, Jesus knows what it is to have to muster from deep within the moral courage to encounter suffering, indeed to take the part of those who suffer. He knows that it is hard, that the struggle is long, indeed it is never-ending, and that honestly, we will fail more often than we will succeed. And even knowing all of these things, he chooses us to be his people in the world. And he invites us to come to his table 
and there to receive the strength we need to go about being God's blessing in the world. We have been chosen, and now the choice is ours. Choose to give, choose to pray, choose to love, choose to be God's people. Choose this day whom you will serve. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
let us together affirm what we believe in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Let all who revere the Lord, who desire to serve the Lord in sincerity and in faithfulness, offer their gifts with joyful hearts.
the abundance of our lives, we give you thanks through Christ our Lord. Receive these offerings that we will make, O God, and bless them and multiply them and use them, that we might see the inbreaking of your kingdom amongst us. Through Christ our Lord, we pray all these things. Amen. You may be seated. Dear friends, this is the joyful feast of the Lord. The scripture teaches that people will come from east and west and north and south to sit at table with our risen Savior, who is even now its unseen host. And what this means in simple terms is that all are welcome. This is not the church's table. It does not belong to First Church. It's not even a Presbyterian table. It belongs to none but our Lord Jesus Christ, who calls all, who indeed calls you. So let us come, dear friends, to the joyful feast of the Lord. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, eternal and triune God, whom we worship as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, you spoke the word that brought the world into being. By the Holy Spirit, you brought order out of chaos and breathed life into your creatures. In parental love, you stood by us in spite of our disobedience, correcting us with gracious reproof and welcoming us again into your loving embrace. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name. O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Born of Mary, he came to dwell among us, full of grace and truth. To all who believe, he gave the power to become your children. In ministry among your own, Jesus cared for all, forgiving their failures, healing their hurts, and nurturing their faith, giving himself in utter sacrifice for those whom he loved. He inspired ordinary folk to spirit-filled living and displayed in his life, death, and rising again the power of your spirit. 
remembering your gracious acts in Jesus Christ. We take from your creation this bread and this wine and joyfully celebrate his dying and rising as we await the day of his coming. With thanksgiving, we offer our very selves to you to be a living and holy sacrifice dedicated to your service. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, that we may be one with all who share this feast, united in ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. Nurture us at this table, O God, that we may grow to the stature of Jesus Christ. Help us to love you above all else and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, demonstrating that love in word and deed toward all your children. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the, in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Hear these prayers along with the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed and arrested, Jesus had gathered for supper with his friends. He took the bread, gave it thanks to God for it, broke it, and offered it to them, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you eat it, do so in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after they had supped, he took the cup. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it all of you. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again. Beloved, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us keep the feast. Let us pray together once more. 
Eternal God, we thank you and we praise you that in love you have reached across the abyss of our sin to bring us once more into your embrace. And now having fed us at your table, send us now to be your blessing to the world. For it is in the name of Jesus Christ that we ask all of these things. Amen. Beloved, go in peace and assure in certain knowledge that you who have been fed at Christ's table will surely return to it in this life or in the life that is yet to come. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace both this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.